Hello everyone, I'm broadcasting to you today from my very own apartment, where Dakota, in reference to my Marvel and DC bedsheet choices, has asked me, why does anyone care what their bedsheets look like? Your eyes are closed when you're using them. At least I have sheets, and didn't give them away piecemeal as improvised clothing for overnight guests. I tie-dyed a set with martini mix once. Overrated. Lots of ants. I won't dignify that with a response. But on the topic of sleep, let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about important dreams. Let's talk about unachieved dreams that no longer seem possible. Or even relevant, like Cousin Louie's dream to meet Jerry Garcia. Or my sister Lizzie's dream to start a chapter of the Babysitter's Club. Isn't she, like, 36? As a child, it was my greatest wish to take part in the annual Coney Island Hot Dog Eating Contest. Such patriotism. Such festivity. Such mustard. At five years old, I was essentially a bottomless pit. Combine that with being the youngest of seven children, I never got the hot dogs at barbecues. All that was ever left when I finally made my way to the table was potato salad with grandma's hair in it, and Uncle Vin's Korean War-style boiled grass. I should clarify, my brother has only sometimes used force to keep me away from the best grilled food. Often they would use tricks, like saying that everyone was going to retrieve pennies that they throw in the bottom of the pool and leave me happily retrieving coins while they ate. Five cents is not enough to buy a hot dog. So, to discover a venue in which I could gorge myself on my favorite food, engage in unbridled eating, ketchup and bun included, was a boon. Hot dogs were truly the food of the gods. And to be part of the Coney Island contest was to dine amongst them. To win was to become a demigod for Independence Day. I was pleased to learn that one of my favorite people in the world and my employer... Bradley Cameron Lind, 14th sexiest man alive three years running, shares this dream. He didn't exactly articulate it, but we fat kids, <laughs> we can tell these things about each other. Uh, not, not that I'd ever accuse Bradley of having been a fat kid. Never! In fact, I'm sure, even as an awkward teenager, he had perfect skin and rippling muscles. I bet the orthodontist gave Bradley $5,000 for the privilege of looking at his teeth and didn't shriek in disgust and then turn away to vomit because of his mangled mouth and pale unbrushed tongue. Bradley's probably never even worn sweatpants. Uh, Anyway, Bradley's a self-described glutton. Last year, when he posed for GQ, he insisted on holding jars of marmalade and marshmallow fluff to demonstrate his favorite sandwich. In other photos, he thought of toasted pound cake dipped in chocolate, rolled in bacon grease, and then dipped in chocolate again. It was hard to photoshop the concentration out of his face. Sometimes, a chef comes on the show to make chocolate chip pancakes or the like. And Bradley just starts eating the ingredients while the chef is trying to explain the recipe. Once, he sat in the corner and noisily inhaled a five-pound bag of chocolate chips and snorted baking soda while Sarah Moulton attempted to make muffin batter. The network had to bring out the please stand by screen with a confused mouse while they rushed Bradley to the hospital. Doctors had to pump his stomach and put him on diabetes watch for three weeks. That's not like Baywatch. It's dangerous. Bradley's basically uncontrollable around junk food. When he does cheese doodle commercials, they actually pay him in frozen steaks. I'm not sure why. It's some deal they worked out. I'm not allowed to ask about it. Of course, that perfect physique doesn't come from constantly gorging himself on cheese doodle encrusted steak dipped in Nutella sauce. Dakota and I lock the refrigerator and only take out foods on Bradley's eating schedule. Dakota said she went away for a weekend once, unlocked the fridge and cupboards, 
and came back to what looked like Candyland after a soda and donut tidal wave. Instead of King Candy trying to pick up the pieces, she encountered Bradley lying on the couch, clutching his stomach and demanding a tummy ache ambulance. She gave him a popsicle stick and told him to go to the bathroom and stick it down his throat, just like her grandma told her to do, or to just go to bed. But I digress. Here's how today's tale began. Bradley has been observing a hot new diet called the Sexy Beast Diet. The foods you eat are not only supposed to help you lose weight, but also become toned in the sexy most places. You can only consume a variety of exotic, shockingly expensive, and hard-to-find fruits and vegetables, all covered in capers and vinegar, and must observe an intense regimen of exercise. You also have to wear garlic around your neck and wear a wasabi-based sleeping mask. That part just seems cruel and unorthodox, but I'm inexperienced. Having four older brothers was the only diet I ever needed. In fact, when I was nine, they thought I was getting a little chunky. So they helpfully trapped me in a revolving door in an abandoned building for three days. They bought a special battery to get the revolving door moving. It's the only time I've ever seen Michael crack a book. I kept thinking they were coming back to finally let me out and bring me home. But they just wanted to show me to their friends and point and laugh at me trotting through my own vomit and peeing on the go. Mom didn't notice the weight loss. Or that I was missing. Or that I needed to go to the hospital for dehydration. <sighs> Santa took a present off my pile for passing out that time. Anyway, Bradley was in his second hour of running. Having tried to recite season three of Say Yes to the Dress, he turned the TV on, he switched to the travel channel, and started watching Man vs. Food. About three minutes in, when Adam Richmond was visiting a famous Denver-area breakfast bistro to sample their cheesy, meaty, table-sized omelets designed for a family of four to eat their way into, Bradley started making what I realized in retrospect were rage noises. Through his running and heavy breathing, there was grunting and gesticulating, I thought he wanted me to join in. I sat down and watched with him. My snacking on pirate's booty and use of his personal cotton candy machine probably made things worse. It went on like that for a while as Adam visited a donut shop, a famous ice cream parlor, and a place that served chicken fried bat wings. Gross. I should have known to take the remote away and put it on a soft rock channel at that point. I admit the intense food deprivation of the sexy beast diet was making Bradley a little, well, uh, crabby and I might have been more afraid than usual to take things away from him. Once Adam started the real challenge, a three-pound burger and a 40-ounce milkshake, Bradley got really intense. He increased the speed on the treadmill and started shouting things like, Just eat it! Suck down that milkshake! Give that burger what it's asking for! There's bacon on that! And, Joe, he could have had a chocolate milkshake, and he picked vanilla! What's wrong with him? He didn't even get sprinkles or a cherry! When Adam looked like he was flagging and started staring at the burger like he couldn't eat anymore, classic Brooklyn fake out of me thinks, Bradley couldn't handle it. He let out a warlike scream, he does that a lot, and simultaneously hurled the remote and water bottle at the television. Think orc with dual axes. With his combination of adrenaline, anger, food deprivation, fancy food enzymes, and new muscles? He completely broke the television and started a small fire. Dakota was lightning on the fire extinguisher, as always. And none of the dogs were hurt. Not even little Vanilla. 
the albino chihuahua with an aversion to light. So, I always had an inkling. But this intimate moment really confirmed it. Bradley and I have the same feelings about competitive eating. We're born for it. We can do it better than some small-tummied losers who fall on the floor after three bowls of bat wings. But this intimate moment really confirmed it. You know, sometimes this feeling makes us break things. Like the time Dad lost a pie-eating contest and I slashed his tires. I was seven, so no one suspected me. Today's story has an exciting part, too. But let's take a break and chat with Dakota, who has been making and drinking highballs at my kitchen table. This time, she brought sponge cake and whipped cream. On today's topic of dreams, I, okay, Mom, asked everyone to email me with dreams that you have or used to have. So I bring you today's segment, Dakota Comments on Your Dreams. In not always a nice way. Some of you might wonder, now that you know Dakota and I aren't dating, why is she here? Why does she keep participating in my podcast? The answer is twofold. One, thanks to Uncle Sonny, my apartment has a lot of booze. Usually sediments on the bottom, probably found in the trash can, but that's okay with Dakota. It all goes in the same place, and two, this is the largest audience she has access to and some of you bought or illegally downloaded her songs. Not even her mom did that. Thanks, everyone. This one is from my nephew, Bill. He's five. I want to ride to the moon on a rocket ship shaped like a horse, and I want to wear a spacesuit and cowboy hat and Elsa's dress, transcribed and possibly embellished by his mother. That's my oldest sister, Josefina. Hey, Jojo. First off, Kudos to Joe's parents for giving him and his oldest sister, like, basically the same name. We're like bookends to a terrible chapter in our parents' lives. Um, that's healthy. Uh, well, kid, you probably will never do that. NASA would have no reason to put a project like that together. Cowboy hats are a hazard in space. They obscure your vision so you wouldn't be able to see a meteor over your shoulder. They're also impractical, because there's no need to shade your eyes in space. Have you seen spacesuits? Style is not a priority. But the good news is, this won't matter in a few years. You'll come to realize, as an adult, uh, hopefully before that, that space travel is really scary and dangerous, and you need a fancy degree in physics to be an astronaut. It's like wanting to be a firefighter. Eventually you figure out that you don't want third degree burns in exchange for a cool hat and vintage looking yellow raincoat. Or, in this case, to suffocate in space in exchange for the luxury of peeing in a spacesuit and all-you-can-eat space ice cream. Watch Gravity, kid. That shit is real. And no, you won't meet Clooney or Sandra, whichever you prefer. I wouldn't mind either. Next! This one is from my second cousin, Marianne. Marianne writes that her dream is to get her collection of Harry Potter books back from her ex-boyfriend. She had books one through four but she was only 100 pages into the Goblet of Fire, and there is no way she's paying for a new copy. A little background on this one. About a week after she left him, her ex-boyfriend was arrested for selling drugs. Everything in his apartment was seized as evidence before she remembered she left her books there. The pages of the books were laced with cocaine. The investigator said it looked like someone did lines on Dobby's head. The cops also seized several pairs of her panties that were in active rotation. Control top from VS. And damned if she's paying for new ones of those, too. 
Dumbledore dies, lots of other characters too, most notably Snape and Fred. And Snape was always on the side of good, even though he behaved like a petty asshole. So don't you doubt him. Although, really, who fights with and picks on an 11-year-old orphan? Besides, like, the villain in a Dickens novel. Way to win friends and influence people. If you really feel invested, turn the library. If not, watch the movies. This one is from my grandma. My mom's mom. The nice one. I've always wanted to make my own pie crusts, but my arthritis and Parkinson's keeps me from kneading the dough properly. And ever since Sal died, I haven't been able to operate the can opener, so I don't know how to open the can of Comstock for filling. Joey, can you come over and help your grandmother? What the hell? Get a food processor! Joe, this is just a parade of crappy things your relatives have not gotten around to doing. Ambition, people! Give me a good one. Um, let's see. Cousin Penelope wants a full fur coat. My brother Vinny wants to date three girls at once. I thought he did that already. Or did he just get arrested for sexually harassing three women at once? It scares me that you could confuse those two things. Also, I think he means execute three dates at the same time. Like in sitcoms. You know, when they're in separate sections of the same fancy restaurant and the guy keeps going to the bathroom or going out for a smoke. Oh, I get it. That's why he has stiffed them all with the bill here. I thought he meant, uh, never mind. How about this one? From Jeannie. She's your... Great aunt. Joe's great aunt says, I want to become a salesperson for Avon. Um, there's literally no screening for that. They recruit people. You could have been convicted of hauling the Clinique counter out of Macy's at midnight on a drug-fueled makeup binge. They don't care. You sell crap to your friends. All you have to do is sign up for that, right? So get off your ass and call Avon. If you're holding a cell phone, which is how 99% of people listen to podcasts, you don't even need to get off your ass. Google and dial. These are some of the lowest aspirations I've ever heard. Don't any of your relatives want to contribute to society or the arts? Or at least commit a large-scale bank robbery like in Ocean's Eleven? And not just gather the courage to hold up a 7-Eleven like your Uncle Robbie wants to. <laughs> That's why they call him Robbie. He's been talking about holding up a 7-Eleven since 1989. Maybe, like, start a drug ring or break up a couple you've always hated. Go all cruel intentions. <gasps> Maybe level up an arcane mage in World of Warcraft. Those are all great suggestions. Thank you, Dakota, for your harsh but fair comments. Everyone, Dakota has big dreams of her own, and I'm not 100% sure what they are. And I don't think she is either. But they definitely involve singing at huge venues and being adored by millions. Every day, I see the way she looks at her boss, Bradley. Her eyes hold admiration, but also twinges of jealousy and contempt. Are you sure that's what's in my eyes? It could just be my contacts you're seeing. She wishes to feed off his stardom. Off the glow he gets from his adoring fans, from being important and also sexy. In a way, she sees her dreams dangled cruelly in front of her. I say this because you must understand that Dakota is a little bitter because her dreams have been slow to come true. Also, her judgment is impaired by alcohol right now. My family, your pursuits are noble. And you are loved. By me and Dakota. And you should still welcome her into your homes come Thanksgiving and Christmas. Despite the fact that she just crapped all over some of your aspirations. And Uncle Robbie, I will visit you in jail after you finally rob that 7-Eleven. 
Cousin Nina, make that appointment with your GP for your yearly checkup. Don't be afraid. Get that pap smear. Get it smeared all over ya. You know I'm still here, right? And I don't think you know what a pap smear is. And there's a 50-50 chance that you'll remember this in the morning. Out west, there's room for bigger buildings, bigger streets, and bigger dreams. You get real weird sometimes. I get the impression that you would have been relegated to a job as a mustache trimmer if you stayed on the East Coast. Not a barber. Not even the beard. Just the mustache. Joe? Yeah? I only think it's fair that you share your dreams. I'm sure your family is dying to know what your deal is. You didn't move out here to become a personal assistant. And you probably didn't move here to get away from them, as much as I love uncovering hidden trauma. Well, yours is all on the surface. Not true. What about that mangled kneecap they found in the hospital last week? I got it when Cousin Tony Vitero got mad at me for beating him in Mortal Kombat and smashed my knee with Grandpa's cane. Dad said I didn't need to go to the hospital, and I was just being a crybaby. The way you told that story, you kinda were. He was four, and you were fifteen. You shouldn't have told him that Sub-Zero was going to murder him and his family in his sleep because he lost. That would have been shitty even if it wasn't at his grandma's wake. Stop stalling. Your ambitions. Well, I've only ever told Mom this, and it was because she bribed me with the promise of my first new pair of pants ever. I think she was trying to suss out which of her children she could pressure into being a priest or a doctor, so as to provide for their retirement, both physically and spiritually. I want to be a DJ, or a radio host, and have a poodle and live in a mansion house where I can drink hot cocoa with real marshmallows, not the ones that disintegrate in hot water, whenever I want to. And I want to make the hot cocoa with milk and not water. And I always want to work and be friends with Bradley. Have him come on my super famous radio show that everyone tunes into and be like, Ah, remember when I used to work for you? Ha ha, good times. And he'd say, Oh, Joe, I always knew that everyone wanted to listen to you talk constantly about your creepy family. I also want to go to Hogwarts. But I gave up on that dream last year. Maybe just for a visit, since it would be embarrassing for me to matriculate at this point. When I was 10, I thought, maybe it'll happen. I was still young enough. They have bacon every morning, and I could get away from Michael until after they put him in real jail. Not just juvie where mom and dad were always getting him out. Plus, there was always stuff spilled in the carpet, or pigeons and stray cats getting into the apartment. And my brother said they didn't do it. And sometimes they even blamed me. Actually, they pretty consistently blamed me. There was even a python stolen from the zoo that ended up in our bathtub. So I thought, Maybe it was my magic that I couldn't control yet. Bringing pests into the house. Um, your ship brothers were lying. I'm sure Dumbledore just forgot to deliver the letter. And, well, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Except polio. That exception just came to me. I wonder if there are others. My family seems like a wizarding family. All quirky and mysterious and stuff. Not very good at dressing themselves kind of hang on to trends from the 80s because, you know, they're not in the muggle world. Not keeping up with style and fashion and laws. They seem more like a criminal family. Dakota, that's offensive or something. Whatevs. You told everyone my nose looked fake. You said Weehawken sounded like an exciting place to live. Want to get into it? Maybe not right now. Ugh, moving on. I know you're all on the edge of your seats wondering about Bradley's shower strike from last time especially now that he's working out for hours and hours a day, sweating like a madman on his sexy diet. I know you were all rooting for Bradley, but 
Unfortunately, the studio management obtained a court order mandating he shower. Can you believe that the cops were in such a hurry to get Bradley the shower that they wrote the court order on a napkin? I say they saw a threat to their authority and wanted to squash him right away. And writing a court order on a napkin is an insult to the 14th sexiest man alive. I lament this infringement on Bradley's freedom. Especially by the people who unjustly locked him up. Bradley has the constitutional right to protest. To offend at will with his body order. To express himself by smearing egg salad all over his shirt and into the caves of his armpits. I am proud to report that Bradley, rebel that he is, waited a full 13 minutes after receiving the court order before showering. That was mostly to pick all the imitation crab out of Allison's salad before she got back. It took us four hours to clean up the bathroom after that. Egg salad and spicy garlic crouton crumbs form kind of a glue in the drain. Ick! Let's take a moment to mourn. Mourn, mourn, mourn. Mourn, mourn, mourn. Mourn, mourn, mourn. Mourn, mourn. Back to Bradley's current struggle. Even after Bradley extinguished the life of his flat screen, Adam Richmond still had him all riled. I know how Bradley felt. We've all been there. Enraged by Adam Richmond's magnetism and unlimited access to absurd, greasy eating challenges, Bradley was still screaming about competitive curry and hot wing eating and demanding an Olympic-sized steak and kidney pie. He'd leapt off the treadmill and was rattling off plans to challenge Adam Richmond for his job. He yelled about having more room in his little finger than Richmond had in his entire stomach and screamed that he would out-eat that curly-haired Brooklynite and conquer food elitism with his good old-fashioned Midwestern appetite. Bradley is actually from Santa Monica, but he tries not to look at his IMDb page. He listed food challenges he would take on, most of them imagined and many too large to even crowdsource at Burning Man. He prepared 100 pages of hypothetical eating challenges to pitch to his agent, where he would challenge Adam Richmond for his man-versus-food job on the fearsome morning hour. I will eat unicorn meat. Would Adam Richmond eat unicorn meat? I think not. Too hoity-toity ethical, said Bradley. Dakota pointed out that a cable morning show had a much larger viewership than the Travel Channel, and that he was under contract. Bradley said it was the principle of the thing. As most of you know, I am a fan of the talented and handsome Adam Richmond, though I don't think I can say whether he'd eat unicorn meat, or assess whether that would be ethical. I felt conflicted between my love for his work and my all-over love for Bradley. More importantly, I, a fan of Man vs. Food, pointed out that Adam Richmond actually retired from food challenges in 2012. This did not derail Bradley in the slightest. He insisted that Richmond retired out of fear, a fear that Bradley would come and shame him and take his job, and when anyone watched reruns of Adam on Man vs. Food, they would always think about how Adam had failed against Bradley and feel shame and embarrassment for him. Bradley was so outraged that he wanted to prove via the fearsome morning hour that he was the foremost celebrity competitive eater in America. Um, the kind who actually chew and taste their food. Because jumping up and down to force 30 hot dogs to slide down your throat sounds unglamorous, especially if mustard isn't involved. He felt whoever worked on Man vs. Food would love him, revive the show, and offer him the job. He got the fearsome morning hour's producers to agree to let him do an eating challenge on the show by threatening to appear at children's parties again. The producers decided he'd do the challenge at Hot Steak Hoedown. Since they're pretty much the show's only sponsor at this point, Bradley would be the first to take on the Steak With No Break Hearty Appetite Challenge. This challenge involves a 42-ounce steak, that's pre-cook weight, a parmesan potato croquet, a bowl of peas, and a chocolate sundae with a cherry on top. Ooh, sign me up. 
I called Bradley's agent, David, to make sure whoever was in charge of the Travel Channel gets the clip. He was sure they'd all watch it. Because they're definitely underemployed since Adam quit. We arrived at Hot Steak Hoedown. There was a sizable crowd of Bradley fans who'd been pulled off the street with a promise of free cheeseburgers. When we arrived at Hot Steak Hoedown, an affable waiter set up the food for the challenge. But when he put the steak down, Bradley balked. This should be vegan friendly. Steak is not vegan friendly. The waiter was thrown off. Uh, are you vegan? He said. We didn't know. This is a steakhouse. Bradley responded, no, but I think we should always be friendly. The steak was replaced with 42 ounces of the only vegan side they had to offer, brown baked beans and onions. At the sight of the baked beans, Bradley jumped up and roared, waving his arms for his fans. They answered with cheers muffled through mouthfuls of free hamburger. Choking and enthusiasm abound. He was really feeling the crowd, so he roared again, ripped his shirt off, and smeared some of the beans on his chest and under his eyes like football players do before a match, to keep glare off their eyes and their gleaming chests. Yeah, he screamed. The crowd had stopped cheering at this point in favor of hushing in awe and confusion. And probably fear. Most Bradley fans have a healthy amount of fear. One of the producers tapped Bradley on the shoulder and quietly said, y You know you still have to eat that. Bradley didn't miss a beat. He dropped down in his chair and gave the thumbs up, cupped his hands around the beans on his chest, and funneled them into his mouth. The crowd cheered as he continued to eat the giant bowl of baked beans with his hands. Bradley's enthusiasm was monumental. He shoveled and shoveled until the beans were no more. He picked up the croquet and made eye contact with it long enough to give it a dirty look. Pumped his fist in the air, croquet in hand. He stuffed it all in his mouth at once. Dakota and I cheered loudly for him. It was retching. Oh, bah. I saw you eat Colin's entire pie last week. All that was left was the peas and the sundae. Bradley did the unthinkable. He dumped the peas over the sundae, declaring, They look like extra fancy sprinkles! Then he put the bowl to his face and ushered its contents into his mouth with his hand. The crowd was entranced. I'd say mostly by Bradley's methods. The cheers erupted when he finished the sundae. Feeding off everyone's enthusiasm and his staff's mild shock, he rounded up the whole event by smashing all the plates on the floor and then walking over to some of the audience's tables and trying to throw their plates on the floor. Or trying to do that trick where you pull out the tablecloth from under the dishes and they don't move. Dakota and I gently stopped him. No word from Adam Richmond so far. A, um, slightly edited, but still somewhat crazy version of this challenge aired in the fierce morning hour today. Unfortunately, Bradley did hear back from the Travel Channel, and it wasn't great news. They pitched a show called Grossest Eating Challenges. That's the working title, where he eats things like scorpions and mixing bowls full of flies and Tabasco. Bradley declined sadly, stating that competitive eating should be tasty and enjoyable. He refuses to get fat eating cheese-covered dirt balls. Bradley tries to embody the all-American man. Competitive eating is quintessential America. Eating ants in the shape of a steak is, uh, gah, i.e. un-American. Maybe Danish, I don't know. They seem like they'd be goth. Also, they could only offer about half of what he's making now. And 30% of that consisted of travel points, ice cream sandwiches, and cupcakes. Cupcakes. Confirmed to have a 2 to 1 cake to icing ratio, but still not good enough for him. So that's all for now. Also, we have to buy a new TV. Preferably a 3D one. But 3D exclusively for food and men's pants. Then we will impose stringent watching and exercising restrictions. Or maybe get some lasers to shoot down objects as they come toward the TV. To the car! 
No, Dakota, not now. Tomorrow. Plus, you can't drive now. Let's use Bradley's card to get a bread maker. I want some bread. Or we can get him a popcorn cart. We'll say it's from the dogs. Dogs do love popcorn. Which one would it be from? Vanilla to say she forgives him for scaring her the other day? Sure. Totally plausible. The Fearsome Morning Podcast was recorded in front of a live studio audience. And by live studio audience, I mean my anxieties and neuroses. Sometimes my brain telling me I'm a failure combined with the strangers I see on the street whom I imagine calling me a fraud sound like a live studio audience. Surely that counts. The Fearsome Morning Podcast is written by Sam Barbaro and Andrew Triska. The voice of Joe was Thomas Josephs, and Dakota West was, uh, who cares? To get in touch, visit us at fearsomemorning.com, and just to be clear, I believe that is an internet-based address, not a physical one.